go ahead and look at them. Okay. A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 27 to 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint nor grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Praise God. This is a reading from God's word. If you don't know, sorry, they are almost every week. I assume they're in the gathering place on the other side of the building right now. But a few weeks ago, a milestone went by that I really should have... um, I knew about it, but they celebrated 60 years of marriage. And um, they still, Bud, Bev, I know you can hear me, but we honor you for valuing your marriage and each other, uh, your children, your family. I know how important you are to each other, and you have modeled for us in the Gosh, what's it been, 10, 15 years that you've been part of our body, almost since the very beginning, um, that love. And so uh, it's really inspirational. We're Nancy and I are halfway there. We're at 30. Man, we just started, right? And and uh, so you guys lead lead on. So we just want to honor you in that. So there they are, young puppies, 1960. Um, yeah, God bless you. Um, we are finishing this morning with a brief series we've been in Advent, just thinking about the things that make us weary. And this whole idea of a weary world rejoices and there's a thrill of hope. And so I don't know what has made you weary this year, maybe a pandemic, but if if not that, maybe it would have been wearying anyway. Um, I was thinking back um, this week to... When Nancy and I in 2003 and 2004 began Living Hope, uh, this church, and we had gotten rated very highly from this uh, boot camp assessment center that they do for church planters. And they said, oh, you guys, you guys have the, the skills, the gifts, the knowledge, you know, you can do this. You've got what it takes. So we worked like really hard for two years. We were meeting on Sunday afternoons. A couple of y'all were part of that early group, and we worked. We just put everything into it. And two years into it, we had like 20 people coming, and we're like, okay, we're you know we can do this. We're just getting you know you need. They say you need critical mass because you become you know like more than just a cult or a small group, you know. And so we worked. So we said, okay, we're going to redouble our efforts. So we just. Another nine months to a year, we just, I mean, we just put so much into it, and we had 13 people. And we were like, okay, hold on. We really felt like we were doing what God wanted us to do. We we just so were uh, into it and felt this is it. And yet, when you don't see what you expect to see, 
when your expectations aren't met, guys, it's depressing. And it is, I mean, it is wearying at that point. And I, uh, I ended up really depressed and thinking, okay, God, what are we missing here? And, you know, if you saw what you expected to see when you put the effort in, then you wouldn't need to walk in faith. Walking in faith only really matters when you don't see what you expect to see. If you walked by sight and it actually came about, then why why faith? And pushing through that wasn't about my being, oh, well, uh, we're, we're somehow we have the skills and the gifts. And okay, I'm glad for the assessment center. But why do we need God? And so there was this sense of when there's no timetable in sight for a turnaround. And when you think, well, we're putting all this work in and it's hard. Is there any purpose in this, Lord? Or have my, have my expectations been completely misplaced? And I don't know, it wasn't for y'all, it probably wasn't planting a church, but when you put something into a relationship and you're seeing it not being fr- fruitful, and you see it tanking, or you've put a lot of effort into a business or into anything, and you're seeing it not happening, how do you not grow weary? We get weary of waiting for it to come about what we think should be. And if you've been around church stuff very much, you'll be familiar with this verse that Nancy read this morning, particularly Isaiah forty twenty nine. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Like much of Scripture, if we take this out of context, it's great to put on a mug or a picture on a wall, but let's let's get the context of where this verse is coming from, okay? The first 39 chapters of Isaiah, the prophet is speaking about what is going to come. It's about exile that's about to start because the northern kingdom of Israel had decided to trust in secular rulers rather than God and His ways. And so for 39 chapters in Isaiah, he says, look, you've done this and God has said, I love you too much to not trust in me. So I'm going to let the nation of Assyria overrun you. It's not because I don't care, it's because I do care. 39 chapters. And then in Isaiah 40, the entire tone shifts. The prophecy goes to 150 years into the future where this starts. And it's coming. And if you read it in context, you would see that he's talking about now to a people who have been in exile for virtually 70 years and are about to get out. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to a people who've now been raised in exile who don't know anything but exile, and there's a small remnant who he's going to call back to Jerusalem from now, from Assyria. Assyria was overrun by Babylon, so now the the Babylonians have run the Israelites into the ground. They're now a nation in captivity, and they say, we're about to release you into exile. 
And Psalm 40, which if you know Handel's Messiah, much of this comes from Psalm 40. He says, comfort my people. He says, don't despair. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. You can't even remember what life was like in before you were in exile. You don't have any idea. You think planting a church for two or three years or whatever you have been through, whatever you're going through, I know it's weary and God says, but you haven't begun to see what I can do yet. So before we get to those verses, we've got to remember that he's talking to a people who have grown up enslaved. And he says this in verse 3, he says, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. We often think of John the Baptist when we think of that verse. But what he's talking about is he's talking about building a super highway. Now this is the second highway that's come in in Isaiah. In verse 35, there's another highway. Back when he was talking to the people about to go into exile. And he says this in verse 8 of chapter 35. A highway is going to be there for you, and it's called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way, even if they're fools. They won't go astray. See, he's talking about a way of walking, that it's a highway that's built for the people. But that's not the highway of Isaiah 40. The highway of Isaiah 40 is a super highway that God builds for himself. Listen to what he says. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. See, here's the thing. When you're weary, you can say, well, just try harder. Redouble your efforts. You might go from 20 people to 13 people. And by the way, the only ones that didn't leave were the ones that we, we shared blood. They were all, fortunately, they had last names that were different. But when you just try and try and try and you're weary, you need to think about the fact that this superhighway is God coming to us. The gospel, what we're about to celebrate this week in Christmas, is not that somehow we figured out how to get to God, but that he built the highway for him to get to us. And that he's prepared by leveling every mountain, by raising up every valley, God has come to you. He's come all the way. You didn't meet Him halfway. You and I aren't smart enough to get to God. What we, the only thing we have to bring is a knowledge that we need Him and acknowledging that and turning to Him. If we're willing to do that, He's come all the way. And then He says, There's going to be rest for your weary souls. The portion between what we just read about that highway, that preparing the way of the Lord, and what we're going to read in the weariness being gone and soaring on wings like eagles, all those verses deal with one theme. From verses uh, 9, really, through uh, 27. The theme is this. Look at God. Verse 9 says this, Go up on the mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Lift it up and say to the cities of Judah, 
Behold your God. Behold the God who comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him. Behold the God of might. Then he goes on, he says, behold a God who's tender, who cares. Behold a God who's wise. Behold a God who's incomparable. Look at God. The solution for our weariness is to look. First, look at what he's already done for you. He chose you when you couldn't find him. He has done everything already necessary for you to come to him. Right this minute, He is providing for you. And guys, we are blessed. Among all the people in the world, we are blessed materially and physically and relationally in so many ways. Right now, He's providing for you. And if you're still weary, He has a future planned for you that you can't even imagine. Eye has not seen ear hasn't heard, the mind of man has not conceived what God has prepared beforehand for you who love Him. He has prepared yesterday, right now, and the future. And I know, I know it's wearying. I know that you may say, okay, I I don't know how to access this. So listen with me. This is a simple word. Listen to what Jesus said to His followers who were so tired. This is from Matthew chapter 11. Come to Me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So when I think about these verbs for for the weariness and what do we do to find the thrill of hope, I think of this. I think, come. Come to God. Behold Him. I think of taking on His yoke, which is, remember, a yoke was was an object of work. Right? It was something that with a, the beasts of burden had a yoke on them. There's things for us to do. And if you, we think weariness is somehow will be through the pandemic and, oh, whew, hope and rest is not found in sitting back. It's found in doing what God's called you to do and doing it with all your might. But it's being in a yoke with Him. If you're called to parent, parent in His strength. If you're called to work and serve in a school uh, arena or at, in an office running a company, do it in His strength. If you're called to be retired, you don't lean back in your chair. Be retired in His strength and serve. In doing that, we're going to see His power and that's where we rise up with wings like eagles. 1 Peter 5, 7, final verse, it says this, Cast all your anxiety upon Him because He cares for you. We hope in the Lord. We don't hope in anything else. Back again to Isaiah 40. The reason they were able to rise up on wings like eagles is because they hoped 
not in this world and not in the rulers, not in anything here, but we hoped in God. We came to Him and beheld Him. We take on His yoke, and then it says, cast or throw all your cares on Him. It's a literal throwing, all right? It's a literal, like, where did I put my throwing thing? I a, what? Where is it? Oh, there it is. Throw. Throw your cares. Nice catch. Throw your cares. You've got to actually do something. That's the literal word to throw. Cast. Throw your burden on Him. God takes the burdens of them who throw it on them. If you're burdened and you're not doing anything except saying, God, take my burden, I would encourage you to do more. Down on your knees and say, God, I refuse to carry this burden anymore. I'm throwing it on you. I don't have that burden anymore in my hand. I can't do anything about it now. I can't. I can't do anything about that ball. Adam's got it. Whatever he chooses to do with it is him. Merry Christmas, Adam. (laughs) Don't say I didn't get you anything. Merry Christmas. Give your burden, the burden of your sin, the burden of the weariness, the burden that you carry. Guys, we're tired. Maybe we're just tired. Are you willing to throw it on God? Here's the problem with throwing it on God as humans. I don't have control of it anymore. Are you willing to give up control? If we're believers in Christ, we're called to give up control. I know there's a thousand practical questions going through your mind right now. Well, what about? I get it. Well, now I have to be in relationship with Adam to get the ball back. And he'll give me back the burden I'm meant to carry. He'll give me my part of the yoke. But he's going to get in the yoke. Jesus is going to get in the yoke with you. And if you're nervous about whatever, your future, what's, what next year is going to hold, for good or for ill, whether or not you'll be able to make that event or that commitment, whether or not someone's going to get sick, whether or not, whether or not, whether or not, I encourage you to get inside the yoke with Jesus. He won't won't desert you. He won't abandon you. He won't leave you alone. Behold your God. He has been faithful up to now. What makes you think He won't be faithful in the future? Your part is to believe and trust. Let's pray together, please. Lord Jesus, I thank You that You give us the privilege of trusting You. And if we saw it all, and if we saw everything work out just the way we thought it should work out, then we wouldn't need to walk in faith. But Lord, it's the trial, it's the exile that reminds us that we can't trust in this world, we can't trust in rulers here, we can't trust in anything except You. I don't know what each person here or each person watching on Facebook Live or in the gathering place needs to throw upon You to cast their cares upon you because 
You care for us so much. You love us so much. We may need to cast it on you every day. But teach us, Lord, teach us as you called us to come to you when we're weary and burdened and take your yoke because it's light. We love you, Jesus. And as your people, we want to be found faithful. And as we celebrate Advent, it's not merely celebrating the fact that you came once and that we believe that you came in human form in Jesus Christ, but you are coming again. And that it's the Advent to be that will set all things right where there will be justice, there will be peace, there will be health. And as our bodies crumble and our youth is fading away, Lord, You are going to make all things new. You're going to renew this earth and renew us. And so we trust You in this, in between time. Help us to walk in faith, not by sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me please as we close?